Um, yeah, so guys, as you know, Alex is not here um, this Sunday. Um, so we have actually a guest speaker here, Levi, Pastor Levi from Elevate. Yeah, let's clap. Come on. I see you, Divi. Yeah, so he's going to share a word with us. We're super excited to have him. So Levi, if you want to come up. Hey, guys. <laughs> How's everybody doing? Well, um, I just want to start off by saying um, how grateful I am to be up here. Uh, I really, really mean that. Um, over the past couple months, I've gotten the privilege uh, to get to know Angel and Alex. And, uh, you know, I've been in ministry uh, for the past six years, and I've seen some some good ministries, some bad, some, some good churches, some not so great. And uh, I just want to say that every time I come back here, it is, it's such an honor. It's, uh, Revive is one of the most refreshing places in the world because I can just sense right away um, your guys' genuine passion for Jesus and the leadership here is phenomenal. Um, if you guys come every single week and you enjoy Revive, just make sure that you say thank you to somebody on the lead team. Uh, thank you to Angel and Alex because it's not easy uh, to keep a ministry afloat every single week. And I know it takes a lot, a lot of work and this place is just phenomenal. And again, I'm just, I'm so thankful to be up here and um, this place is really, really special. Jesus is moving in huge ways here and uh, I'm just so glad I get to be a part in just a little way uh, tonight. So, I'm just going to kick off real quick. We're just going to pray, and uh, we'll get started. Jesus, thank you so much for tonight. Uh, thank you for Revive, God. Thank you that it is exactly what um, Cincinnati needs right now in, in this day, in this time, God, that uh, Revive is a piece of the puzzle, God, that you are putting together in this area, and uh, and they are just, they're just doing such a phenomenal job pursuing you, loving people, uh, spreading your love, God. And uh, so I just know that this place, you're just going to add uh, to their numbers every single week, and it's going to grow uh, because I can just sense and I can tell the genuine uh, self, selfless, selfless <laughs> love for you, Jesus. And uh, I just I, I pray for tonight, God, that you just speak through me, that you uh, custom, you customize every single word uh, that I speak to uh, the hearts of everybody who's receiving it tonight. And uh, we just, we love you. And uh, we're so excited to see where you take uh, Revive and this leadership and just pray special blessings over everybody's involved. Uh, so much time and sacrifice goes into it. We know that uh, that you see every, every minute of it and you'll reward everybody for it, God. So we just love you so much and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, um, I'm just going to jump right into things. I'm going to make a statement, okay, and it's not that profound, so you're going to be like, yeah, duh, everybody is like that, okay? But fo follow me. I I'm going to explain myself, okay? So I love to be comfortable. Can anybody, like, relate? Like, you're like, okay, yeah, duh, obviously. But no, what I mean by that is when I get off work at, like, 5 o'clock, you can ask Matt. I live with him, okay? The moment I walk in the house, I'm like walking downstairs and I'm already changing into pajamas. Okay. Like seriously, like I'm not even, I might even be like out in the cul-de-sac in my car, like walking to the house, not even inside yet. And I'm already changing into like hoodie sweatpants and I park my butt on the couch. Right. I'm just, I'm sorry. I'm working on it. Okay. There's other things I can be doing with my time, but right now that's just how I am. Like I love to be comfortable. Like I don't, if I could be in sweatpants or athletic shorts and like slippers right now, I would be, but that wouldn't look great. So here I am. But anyway, I, I take it to, I take it to extremes a lot of time. 
where like I'm seeking like I can't just be happy with being on a couch. I got to have like a blanket and like the right amount of pillows. You know what I mean? Like uh, so. But if we're all being honest, we all like to be comfortable. But then there's the next level of like comfort food. You know what I'm saying? Like, can anybody get behind? Have you ever had like mac and cheese from not like the box stuff, like from a real restaurant, you know, like the nice stuff that's like, oh my Lord, this is heaven on earth right now. You know what I'm saying? Like the really good stuff. I'll tell you what, um, when, when the Lord called me to move to Cincinnati, I was like, Cincinnati, there's, there's a skyline on like every corner. So yes, like I'm in Lord, like you didn't have to convince me at all because you know, it's just, it's the best. So that's, that's the thing about, well, one thing about me is I've learned over the past couple months is like, dude, you, you pursue being comfortable like way more often than like any man should. Like I own seriously like 15 pairs of sweatpants. Okay. It's like a problem. Some people own shoes. I own sweatpants. It's just like how I am. But I was thinking the other day, I was like, if a girl were ever to be like, you want to take this conversation to a skyline? I'd be like, you're my future wife. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> So don't worry, I'm, I'm going somewhere with this. You're like, this dude's talking about sweatpants and Skyline way too much, okay? So it ties in, it ties in, I promise. You know, I think what happens, though, is in America, if we're just being honest, we, we live in a culture that worships comfort. And I'm not just talking about, um, I'm not just talking about physical comfort, like, you know, having a nice, uh, I don't know, recliner at your house. I'm talking about comfort in a way that we love to worship. We're obsessed with pursuing um, things that are going to make us emotionally comfortable. So what happens is a lot of times in life is um, a lot of us are at that age right now where we're in college or we're going to college. Maybe we've recently graduated. And what we're doing is we're, we're going to some kind of training program to set us up to make a, a certain amount of money, right? Because if we can live in the right, uh, in that house that we envisioned for our lives, if we can be married by a certain age, if we can have the right amount of kids, then life would be comfortable, right? There's like that classic, we've all heard it, like the American dream that we all have kind of pictured in our head. And what happens is, is we spend a lot of our time, a lot of our energy pursuing uh, being comfortable, emotionally comfortable. And we live in a society that goes, you need more of this. You need more of that. Whether it's um, whether it's more friends. It doesn't always have to be like possessions, but it can be. Like I know right now I own two cars, but I don't live on my own because I made a choice to prioritize something like in the wrong season. I was like, oh yeah, like I need to buy another car when I don't even live on my own yet. And that was like something in my mind that I had believed in and for a time that I was like, man, I just need more. I need more. And I, and I tricked myself into making some decisions. I think we've all been there at some point into, into doing some things in our lives in the pursuit of more, in the pursuit of being comfortable, in the pursuit of, um, of fulfilling a lot of times what, um, what the world says uh, look like our lives should look like. Right. But I'm going to be honest with you. Like I've known Jesus for a long time and I've grown up in church. And one thing that I've learned recently is that we don't like to talk about this concept a lot in church. Like we want to show up to church, right. Or to revive. And we, we want to have somebody up on stage, tell us that, 
Jesus loves you, that you're doing great stuff with your life, right? And that uh, no matter what decisions you make, he's going to bless you and all these and all these happy, wonderful, good feely things. And I believe that a lot of that's true. He does love you. But one of the number one things that I've learned recently is that following Jesus, really, really following Jesus is actually extremely uncomfortable. And I'm going to, I'm going to explain what that looks like in a little bit. Not to say that following Jesus is, uh, is, is difficult because he's going to bless your life and he's going to, he's going to expand you and your soul in ways that you can't even imagine. But the truth is, and this is something that you don't hear a whole lot in church when you really, really give everything you have to the Lord and you really, really, really pursue him a hundred percent following Jesus is actually an extremely, extremely uncomfortable thing. We're going to jump to, um, we're going to jump to a couple of verses real quick. I just want to talk about when Jesus shows up in the new Testament, one of the very first stories, we're going to go to Matthew four. Um, the beginning of the Bible talks about where Jesus came from, like his parents, his grandparents, stuff like that. It shows us a little bit about his uh, childhood and teenage years. And then in chapter four, it jumps right to him being adult around the age of 30 going into his ministry. And one of the first things that Jesus decides that he wants to do is get a group. We call them disciples. That's a fancy church word. Really, he just want, he wanted like a bunch of friends that he could teach, that he could bring along in his life, and that he could, when, when his time was up, when it was time for him to go, uh, these 12 guys could take his message, his teachings to the rest of the world. And so we find Jesus uh, in, in Matthew chapter 4. Uh, verse 18, he says, it says, Jesus was walking by the sea of Galilee. He saw two brothers. They were Simon. His other name was Peter and Andrew, his brother. They were putting a net into the sea for they were fishermen. And Jesus said to them, follow me. I will make you fish for men. At once they left their nets and followed him. Going from there, Jesus saw two other brothers. The names were James and John, the sons of Zebedee. And they were sitting in a boat with their father, mending their nets. Jesus called them. At once they left the boat and their father and followed Jesus. Now, I love how black and white the Bible puts this, right? Like the Bible is just like Jesus came, he called them, and they went with him. But if, if, we really, if we really put some like human perspective to it, if we're really honest with ourselves, this is a really big moment in these guys' lives, Right? You know, a lot of people like to think that uh, the guests, the disciples at this time are in their teenage years. Okay, so what happens is they're working like their job, like they're at work. Imagine yourself at work and this guy who you've heard about around town, but you don't even personally know, comes up to you and is like, hey, follow me. And then you like walk out on your job, you know, and this is what Jesus is, is asking them to do. So the reason why I say following Jesus is uncomfortable is because the very first thing you see him doing in the New Testament is when he, as soon as he comes into contact with people's lives, he instantly shakes up their life a lot. He asks them to leave their jobs. He asks them to leave their families. He asks them to leave their incomes. If they're teenagers, maybe, I don't know, maybe they have girlfriends right now. He's asking them to leave their girlfriends, God forbid. And so what he's doing is as soon as Jesus shows up in these people's lives, he instantly starts to shake things up and it really, really makes them uncomfortable. But here's what's really, really cool about it. In verse 19, if we look at it again, Jesus says, follow me and I will make you fish for men. So what Jesus is doing is he, he first, he gives them a call, right? 
He gives them an, a choice, a call. Like all of us get in our lives. All of us are here because at one point in our life, Jesus called to you and said, I love you. I want to be Lord of your life. And you were able to respond to that. But the second part is he instantly gives them. He says, I'll make you fish fishers of men. He instantly gives them identity and purpose right away. But the thing is, is that that identity and purpose only came. The disciples were only able to do amazing, amazing things because they left their jobs right away because they chose the uncomfortable route. So here's, here's what I'm saying by this. If you, if you're taking notes, if you want to boil it down, basically it's this discomfort and challenge are the recipe for growth and change in your life. Discomfort and challenge are the recipe for growth and change in your life. You got to understand that Jesus saw these two guys, these, these four guys actually, and he instantly saw purpose, identity for their lives. But Jesus, first off, right away, he asked them to make a really, really uncomfortable, tough, hard decision. And the thing is, is that these guys had callings on their life from the day they were born, okay? Just like every single person in this room does. All of us have callings on our life that we can choose to follow. We can choose to follow Jesus. We can choose to, to give him 100% of our life and do like what the disciples can, or we cannot. Comfort, choosing comfort will 100% dilute the call of God on your life. A thousand percent. Every time we choose to be comfortable, we choose to live our lives and pursue the world and pursue its stuff, we will dilute the call of God in our life. And that's not a threat. I'm not saying that to be scary, like, "Uh uh-oh, don't dilute the call. I'm saying that every time we have an opportunity in life, God's going to give us a choice to go, I, I'm going to come and I want to shake up your life. I want to really, really, I really want to change things and how they are in your life. Because at that moment, those guys' destiny, those disciples, before they were even disciples, they were just fishermen. And their life was on a path, right, to be fishermen. And they were going to stay fishermen. And they were probably going to have kids that were fishermen. Jesus shows up. And asks for a really, really, really difficult decision. But what did that do? That allowed the rest of their lives and the destiny and purpose and direction of their lives to be altered drastically. To know they were then invited to know Jesus, the King of Kings, the Savior of us all. To live life with him. To to live three years under his teaching. But they had to make some difficult decisions. Um, It's kind of funny. All throughout the the new Testament, you see Jesus showing up, um, like with the story of the rich young, the the rich young ruler. I'm sorry. Uh, for those of you who may not know, there's this guy, uh, he's got some political power. He's got some money. He comes up to Jesus and he's like, what do I need to be? What do I need to do to be saved? And Jesus is like, give all your stuff away because obviously you're obsessed with your stuff and it has your heart. And the guy walks away because Jesus automatically, we don't want to talk about this often, but Jesus requires hard choices. He wants to disrupt the, the direction that your life was headed before he got involved with your life. And he wants to send it on an entirely new direction after he's involved. In, uh, in Acts, most of you, if you've ever read the New Testament, you've heard of a guy named Paul, right? He's like super popular. He's written over half the New Testament. 
Before his name was Paul, his name was Saul, and he was a really, really bad dude. And so we pick up in, uh, in Acts 9, verse 1. Um, remember, Paul is Saul, and uh, he's actually, he actually really, really hates Christians. He hates Jesus and all that he's doing. And so we pick up in, in verse 1. It says, Meanwhile, Saul was still breathing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciples. He went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues in Damascus, so that if anybody he found uh, there belonged to the way, the way is like Jesus' following and his disciples, whether men or women, he could take them as prisoners to Jerusalem. As he neared Damascus on his journey, suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. He fell to the ground. He heard a voice say, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Who are you, Lord? Saul asked. I'm Jesus whom you are persecuting, he said. Now get up and go into the city where you will be told what you must do. The men traveling with Saul stood there speechless, for they heard the sound, but they didn't see anybody. Saul got up from the ground, but when he opened his eyes, he could see nothing. So they led him by the hand into Damascus, and for three days he was blind and did not eat or drink. Again, I love how the Bible puts it so black and white. They're like, Saul's walking on the road, Jesus shows up, blinds him, and then he goes on his way. But if we really look at it like through a human perspective, this is a really unique day for Saul, right? Like one day life is going cool, he's chilling out, he's walking down a road and he can a road and he can see, and then boom, God shows up, Jesus shows up in his life, and the dude's blind, right? So this is not an ordinary day for Saul. Saul's not like never been blind before. This is cool. This is weird. No, it's like, this is a freaky, freaky moment. And so this is what happens is, is for Jesus to take us to a new place in our life. Because a lot of us have been Christians for a long time. Right. And a lot of us go, God, like I worship you all like throughout the week. I listen to worship music. I, I help it revive but like, I just can't get over this addiction. I've been praying about this thing in my life for years. Where are you at? Why can't you fix this? What's going on? I know you. What's the problem? But what we don't really realize, okay, is that a lot of times we don't want to admit this, but a lot of times in our life, we have one foot planted in the direction that God wants to go. We have one foot going where Jesus wants to take it, but we have the other foot concreted to the world and it's and its concerns right so on on one hand we go yes jesus i want to follow you yes i want to do everything that you have planned for my life but at the same time i would really like to make x amount of money and i would really like to be married by this age and i would really like to have this many kids and live in this type of house in this type of area and drive the, drive this kind of car so what i'm going to do is i'm going to try to balance how much of my life I allow you to have, how much of my life I allow you to speak into. And it's this percentage game where some weeks it's like, God, I'm going to give you like, you know, 60% of my life, but I still want to hold on to my goals and my aspirations and my desires for my life. And then some weeks it's like, God, look like, I think you're great and all, and I appreciate heaven, but I really want this thing. Right. And so it becomes this, really kind of wacky um, situation where we're really trying to like balance. Okay. How much of my life, my soul, am I honestly 
giving to the Lord. Because I think if we're being real, everybody in this room is going to say, yeah, like I'm a Christian, like I love Jesus and all that stuff. But we don't want to really look hard at the fact that we, a lot of times will hold on, will really, really hold on to the way we want our lives to go and the way we want it to look. Let me, let me explain it with getting uh, like a story from me. We'll get real personal up in here. Okay. So, um, my best friend and my roommate, Matt, raise your hand. Yeah, everybody. Matt is getting married in November. All right. So naturally now that he's engaged, I have a whole lot of free time. I don't see him much anymore, all right? <laughs> I'm fine. I'm fine. Seriously, I'll be fine. Uh, if we want to hold a prayer session after service for me, I will take it. Um, but so my point is, okay, is that I have, I've had a lot of free time on my hands. And so what I've been doing lately is I'll come home off work because being a pastor, um, I work at an actual church like nine to five, five days a week. And so what I like to do is I like to tell the Lord, okay, like you got, me and my devotion and my attention from nine to five, Monday through Friday. So when I get home from work, like that's my time, right? Like I'm going to do like what I want with my time. I'm off the clock. Okay. So I'm going to, so here's what Levi's time looks like is I get home about five 30. I start an episode of new girl. Great show. Watch it. Okay. And it runs episode after episode until about midnight until I pass out on the couch. All right. And so what's happening is I get home, I'm living life, my time, right? How I want to spend my night. I'll turn my phone on silent. Cause I'm like, I'm, an, I'm deep in this new girl season. I don't want anybody to bother me. Right. And so I'm like, this is my time. But then the next morning when I'm at work, I'm like, I'm like, God, where is, where is my spouse? Right. We've all been there. Come on. We're all at that age. And I remember one time, this is only like two weeks ago. This is still fresh. It still stings, okay? The Lord said, how can I bring a spouse if you won't get out of the house? I was like, that hurts a lot, actually. <laughs> like, can we be real, you know? He's like, no, for real. Like, what do you want me to do? Like, drop her in through the window like a murderer? And I'm like, no, 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 no. I'd accidentally shoot her or something like that. So, but let's, let's be real. When we live life holding on to wanting to do things our way, we actually get in our own way from what God wants to do with our lives. I had no idea that something as simple as vegging out and watching way too many episodes in a row of a TV show was actually being detrimental to the path that God had me on. It seems so simple, like, oh, I'm just going to, you know, like, I'm going to show up to revive. I'm going to do my thing with the Lord. I'm going to love him. I'm going to talk to him in the morning on the way to work, maybe listen to a couple worship songs. But outside of that, I still have uh, these goals in my life. I still have these things that I want to do with my life, these things that I want to be, this money that I want to make. And so I have to somehow balance the two of these. And what we don't even realize, a lot of times we seem so, so innocent. We're like, man, I'm just, I'm living life like everybody else. And I, and I go to church. So like, where's God? Why isn't he showing up and like sprinkling some magic dust and fixing me and my heart and my situations? Like, where is he at? And so what happens is, is when we have this jacked up percentage of what we give the Lord in our lives, all of a sudden we're like, God, where are you at? Because what we're currently doing isn't working, isn't enough. And so we go, God, where the heck are you? What, 
what's kind of interesting is, you know, when you join uh, the military, they, they put you in basic training, right? And it's this grueling, physical, mental, emotional couple of months to prep you for war. Anybody knows that basic training is not fun. It requires discipline, sacrifice, selflessness. When athletes, professional athletes, they are on a strict diet. They don't get to eat good, good tasting stuff at all. It's all like health foods, right? And they're, and they're strict working out. But here's the thing. In both situations, they have to, this is such a cheesy overused line, okay? But they have to, in a sense, give up to go up. And what I mean by that is they have to go through difficult things in their life. They have to make hard choices in order to prep themselves for what's to come. And that's what a lot of times what happens in our life is we're so stuck in neutral, wanting our life to look a certain way, pursuing certain things, going after certain things. And then we're like, God, where the heck are you? Or God, why am I still praying about this issue that we've talked about for the past three years? I remember I was in high school and there was just, there was just an issue that I was having and I just could not get over it. And I was praying about it all the time. And it was like a year later to the point where I was so frustrated with, with myself. So frustrated with the Lord, like, where are you? What is going on? Are you even real? Is it? And I was tired. I was tired of feeling bad about myself and I was tired of feeling conviction. And at one point I was like, you know what? if serving Jesus is just feeling bad about yourself 24 seven, I really don't want to be a part of this. And so I, I about like just kind of walked away from everything that I knew and grew up and the Lord working in my life. And finally one day he was just like, dude, you can keep living your life in this direction that you want to do and expecting all this stuff from me. When you give me like 5% of your week, and I know a lot of times we don't, we don't want to admit to that, right? We always go like, yeah, like I, I do my roles. I volunteer in like the kids department at my church or whatever. And like, so automatically as if God just owes us somehow. And I think a lot of times what happens is these, these athletes would never be in the physical shape that they, in, that they were in if it wasn't a hundred percent of the time devotion to what they do. Sorry, let me look where I'm at. I realized a couple weeks ago that there are three categories in my life that I am 100% holding back from the Lord. You guys want to hear about them? <laughs> Number one is I'm the one category that's, that's really, really close to my heart, especially with my best friend getting married soon, is the category of a spouse. I'm like, God... I love you and I, I trust you. Yes, technically, but I'm going to go ahead and try to make something. I'm at the point Lord where like, if you don't bring somebody soon, I'm going to marry the next person I see at Walmart. You know, like has anybody been there? You just had those days and I'm only 24. Okay. Like, so I can't even talk for some of the other people in here, but if we're really, really being honest, okay. That's one category of my life that I'm like, God, I, I do love you. And I know that you have plans for my life. But if I give this category to you, then I may get a response I don't 
love at the moment. Not to say that God doesn't have the absolute best marriage for your life, but it may include a timing or a place or a person that that you didn't want to be open to. And so the thing is, I've learned that that is one huge category in my life that I'm like, Lord, hands off this. I'm going to figure this out. I love you and I trust you, but this is a hundred percent on me. If you want to like drop something in my life, like I'll take it, but you don't have to act because I want to take care of it. And I don't want to really hear what your opinion is in this situation. Another one is, uh, is money. I'm like, Lord, I love you and I tithe, but at the same time, I'm really concerned with, with being in ministry. Like I did not get into ministry to be a millionaire. No secret there. Okay. So like, I know I'm never going to be like loaded someday, but at the same time, I'm worried as a man, I want to, I want to provide as a man. I want to be able to take care of my family someday. And so I'm concerned all the time. I can't let go and trust the Lord to say, you know what? I may not make a ton right now. So what I'm doing is I put every extra cent that I make into the bank out of fear, not out of being smart and like saving out of like, I got to have enough for that special somebody someday for that kid someday. So out of not trusting that the Lord can bring it on his own, I have to go into hyper save mode and hyper extra jobs on the side mode because I really, if I'm being honest with myself, I can't trust that the Lord is going to make that happen for me. So I got to do it. You know what I'm saying? Evan knows. (laughs) There are things in our life that if, if we we don't want to uncover. We don't want to be honest about, but I think if we really, really look, everybody in here has a little bit of an imbalance where we go, God, I love you. And I want to serve you. And I want the plans that you have for my life. But there's some things, there are some things that I'm really honestly going to hold on to. And what's crazy is, can you imagine Peter? I mean, Peter, like one of the biggest names in the Bible, he decided to let go 100% and he got in route on the train of the plans and the paths that the Lord had for him. And it changed his life amazingly. And he became one of the most amazing Christians, one of the most amazing heroes of the Bible ever, but he had to give up. He had to let go. He had to give in a hundred percent to what the Lord was doing and speaking and moving at the time. You know, one of my favorite verses uh in the bible is uh is first peter five uh this is the passion translation which is kind of new so it it may sound a little bit funky but in first peter five verse five it says this god resists you when you are proud but multiplies grace and favor when you're humble i think in those moments those teenage guys just said I don't know who this guy really is. I don't know where he's taking me, but I'm not going to be so concerned about my life and how I want it to look. I'm just going to be humble. And through that, like it says in first Peter, God multiplied his grace and his favor when they were humble. It goes on to say, if you bow low in God's awesome presence, which what is that? Bowing low is submission. Bowing low, it's that simple. It's just submission. It's saying, God, 
even though there are some areas that I really would like to keep to myself and I'd really like to have full control over, I'm going to bow low in God's awesome presence. And it says he will eventually exalt you um, and leave as you leave the timing in his hands, which is not easy to hear. Let's just be honest. Okay. (laughs) Sometimes we want things right now. But the last part of the verse, and this is just the part that just tears every time. (laughs) Pour out all your worries and stress upon him and leave them there. For he always tenderly cares for you. I think a lot of times we forget that God wants you and I to win. I think a lot of times we're like, Man, you 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 want me to tithe, you want me to serve, you want me to um to be here at Revive early and you're asking all this stuff of me. When is it my turn? When do I get my break? But we got to remember that Jesus's plan ultimately for your life is nothing but blessing, prosperity, direction and identity. Every single time. And so what I love about the last part of the verse, it says, leave your stress, your worries, leave those categories that you want to hold on to. I got to leave the spouse category and the money category at on the Lord. I got to leave those worries on him for he always tenderly cares for them. It may be a different answer than, than what you're expecting. It may be a different person. It may be a different timing than what you're expecting. But I promise you, time and time again, when people genuinely in the Bible gave Jesus 100% of themselves, 100% of their heart, they didn't have the whole one foot in the world, one foot in God's direction. When they, when they really, really did it, God turned their lives upside down in the most amazing, amazing ways. And I, that's, that's really my challenge to you because honestly, the past six months has been nothing but me going, God, I love you and I'm in ministry. So it's my job to love you. It's my job to have all my stuff together. Right. But there's some areas in my life that I really just don't want to give up. And there's some areas in my life that I really don't want to let go of. But then at the same time, I'm accusing you of why you haven't fixed those areas yet. You know, I think a lot of times we go, God, where are you at in this category? And it's the same exact place that we don't really want to give up. So tonight, I guess something that the Lord has just been teaching me is that if I really want to unlock all that God has for me, if I really, really want to unlock, because, because let's be honest, we have a thousand options a day to choose Jesus's path for our life or to choose our own path. And I think just like we talked about earlier, choosing the comfortable route will always a hundred percent of the time dilute the call of God in your life. Not to say that you can't ever come back from it. Not to say that you can't ever turn your life around because Jesus is full of grace after grace after grace. But at the same time, if we allow ourselves to put ourselves in neutral and just be so concerned with chasing the world and its stuff and its statuses, we will never ever unlock all that God has for us. And that's, that's not a threat because again, Jesus wants nothing but blessing and direction and purpose for your life. But it starts, it starts every time Jesus met somebody, it starts with a challenge. 
it starts with going, you know what? I have to really, really examine my life. I have to really examine my soul and how much I'm giving to him, how much control I still want to have, how much of the steering wheel do I really want to hold on to? But I promise you, because honestly, there's been some like internal junk and some frustration in my life, like seriously, up until two weeks ago. And there was one night where I was just like, I'm tired of acting like I got it all together on the outside, showing up to church and putting on that church mask where you're all smiles and everything's good. Right. But on the inside being super, super frustrated, let down, disappointed, and honestly, just kind of bitter with the Lord. And that's a really crappy place to be. And I think at some point to some degree or another, I think a lot of us have been there before. And it wasn't until the Lord revealed like the same things that you're frustrated with me about are the same things you don't want to let go of control over. And so tonight, like I could, because this is super personal to me, I could go on and on and on, but, um, I'm just going to, I'm just going to pray real quick and, uh, we're just going to, we're just going to sing, uh, another worship song. And, um, but tonight my goal, my heart, um, is just to share a little bit. What I was trying to communicate is just to share that Jesus ultimately wants nothing but the best and he'll give you it, but it starts, it starts with some sacrifice. It starts with some uncomfortable situations. It starts with giving him your all. And so let's just pray. Jesus, thank you so much for tonight. Thank you so much for this opportunity just to be here. God, I'm, I'm just so uh, blessed and excited. Um, to be up here and just to uh, just to get to share what you've taught me in my life. And God, uh, I just ask right now uh, just to reset our lives a little bit, that you would reveal and make it super, super clear any situation, God, um, that we're holding back from you, any percentage of our life that we're, uh, that we're obsessed with having control over, God, and that right now that you would just open up uh, the eyes of every single person's heart in here tonight to just reveal what that is maybe that we're holding on to, what it is that we don't want to let go of, what it is that you're challenging us to change, God. Because every single one of us want to love you more, want to be like you more, but a lot of times ourselves are just our own roadblocks. And so, God, I just pray that just healing comes down, Lord. Holy Spirit, we just invite you right now to just heal those issues God, right now that those things that we've been praying about for years to change about ourselves, God, that they're just instantly fixed this moment, God, that we don't have to sit there and, uh, and convince you, God, but that right now you want to lift, you want to lift those issues off of our life. You want to change those. You want to reveal those. You want to challenge us only to make us better, only to love you more. And so Jesus, we just thank you for this night. And we know that we're going to move forward, God. The revive is going to be uh, stronger, God. That every single week, God, it just gains momentum. That as, as your people in here grow in their love and in their understanding of you, that they only take it out into the world, God. And then in turn, it just fills, fills this place. And God, I can't wait to hear the story and, and the testimony someday about how revive has to find a new building, God. Because this place is too full. Because every single week they got, they met with you. And then they took it out uh, into the world, God. And into their workplaces and their friend groups. And then, and then it grew, God, genuinely through you. And so we love you so much. Open up those things in our hearts uh, that we need to see that we're holding on to. Start that process of change in our hearts.
And we love you so much in Jesus' name. Amen.